Welcome to the Football Ramble, a new deal for Madison and the bees are buzzing for Wembley. It's Thursday the 30th of July. I'm Jules Breach. I am the Jim Campbell. And I'm Luke Moore. What a gorgeous day. I'm feeling fresh as a daisy. No headaches down this side of the room. Feeling <laughs> feeling nice and fresh, boys. How are you both feeling? I'm feeling actually okay, Jules, because uh, it was a Ramble team drinks yesterday, but I know when to quit. You are too sensible. Jim Campbell, on the other hand, <laughs> doesn't know when I to am, quit. I feel like a gumshoe investigating the case of how I got home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a bit of sweat dripping down your forehead there? Have you got the sweats yet, Jim? That's now too... I think about it, yes. No, he's too dehydrated for that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's too much information for our listeners. It is. Thinking, oh, it's a beautiful sunny day. I open the curtains, look out the window, put the ramble on, and Jim is sweating. Yeah. People don't want to hear that. Doesn't seem to know where he is. No. No one wants to listen to a sweaty man, do they? No. No, but we were able to catch up on the uh, the game last night, so that's a good yeah. thing. Well, I watched the whole game because I was even more sensible than you, Luke, and, yeah. and managed to get home a bit earlier. And what a bloody game it mm. was as well. These are the types of matches that we want to see, especially in the playoffs. It was the second leg, in case you missed it. Brentford beating Swansea by three goals to one. So on aggregate across the two legs, it was a 3-2 win for the Bees and they were 1-0 down heading into the match. We talked about it yesterday and... Me, Pete, and Vish all did think Brentford would turn it around. So congratulations us, we were right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And secondly, it was a brilliant game. Just what a start from Brentford. In fact, the full 90 minutes, they gave 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all a little bit worried about their momentum, weren't we, going in? I think it's been discussed across the shows, generally sort of in the build-up to this game. But they did, like... Just focus. They focused really, really well. And in a game like this, you've got to sort of um, control the chaos a little bit because it's so emotional. I think yeah. actually more so than the final because the final tends to sometimes be a little bit cagey because there's so much riding on it. But the semi-finals in the playoffs, it's like it's played with the character of a dog that hasn't seen you in ages. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just so frantic and like, so, so there was a time, Jim, and happy. There was a, there was a time when you'd think, and I'm going back a few years here, where you would be like, "Oh, the best game that happens at Wembley every season is the Championship playoff yeah. final, and the FA Cup final is always a bit of a letdown." Mm-hmm. And then that that changed a little bit, didn't it? More recently, but 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 this game last night, Brentford attacked it exactly as you'd like if you were a Brentford fan. You'd like them to basically hitting them hard, hitting them early, couple of goals in the first 15 minutes, but. I think you're absolutely right when you say it's it's an emotional affair because Brentford are a better team than, than Swansea yeah. and they're a better team than Cardiff and on their day they're a better team than Fulham, right? Which brings its own pressure. It does. And also you factor in it's going to be the last game at Griffin Park, somewhere they've been for over 100 years. The big question mark over them was definitely a mental one because they go through this amazing run of form. They, they manage and master football's return since lockdown almost better than any other team. And the last two games of the regular season they lose, famously, and now they're in the playoffs. And I said on the show a year, a year ago, a week or so ago, that it's going to be very hard for, for Thomas Frank to lift them. 
but they, he has done that, and and they were by far the best team last night, from what I saw. They the first goal particularly was an absolute beauty, amazing through ball, so inch good. perfect sort of onto his right foot, like a ridiculous goal. That's yeah. how you would score a goal if there wasn't a, an opposition on the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just kick the, it down the, the pitch. The, the opposition were kind of completely obsolete. Yeah. No, they, were, they were there fine, but they didn't need to be there because the, the ball was going nowhere near them. Great finish as well. The um, perfect counter-attack. That's exactly how you want your team to react when yeah. you've just conceded a corner. Yeah. And you want to just go down the other end of the pitch and attack that. And they did it perfectly. Like you say, the through ball from, from Janssen was was inch perfect but the run from Watkins and what a season he's had as well yes 26 goals he scored mm. which I believe is the same amount as Mitrovic who obviously won the golden boot in because they count that just for the season and not yeah. for, for the playoffs but what a season he's, he's having he's been fantastic he's a good player um, he, he, he can do all sorts of different types of, of, of goal and uh, you know He's he's been he's been decent for a while, but I think this season he's really kind of matured, hasn't he? I mean, what is he now? He'd be like twenty three, twenty four years old now, mm-hmm. starting to mature. Look, look, I think it's funny because Brentford get another another dose of different kind of pressure now mm-hmm. going into the power final because they turn this this momentum around in quite good style last night. They go up against probably Fulham, but possibly Cardiff. They're a better team than Cardiff. On their day, they're better than Fulham. Their record against both those teams is um, ten from twelve points against in the four games. So they've got they, they beat Fulham both times. I don't think they conceded either in neither of those games. I think they beat them one 0 and two 0 Fulham have been good since the um, lockdown as well. But Fulham are a team that can fl- that can flatter to deceive. I've been to Craven Cottage this season. I saw them play against Stoke. They beat them one 0 Fair enough. They made a lot of hard work of it. It, it. it could have been different. I mean, and Stoke were in a really bad place at that point as well. If you guys remember, they, they, they've obviously turned it around to use that phrase again and, and escaped relegation. But at that point, I think they're in quite big trouble. Fulham didn't look that great. So Fulham are very capable of putting in an underwhelming performance. But we'll see if they get there first. Brentford will be getting there. Um, and if they can manage the... Um, the, the 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 occasion at Wembley it's going to be an incredible situation because they, they'll go into their new stadium in the Premier League mm. unbelievable one of the things I thoroughly enjoyed about last night's match as well is Mick McCarthy on co-coms always enjoy a bit oh, of Mick yeah. so enjoyable as soon as I switched it on and I heard his voice I thought oh this is going to be fun when um later on in the game Swansea managed to get a goal back and it was a terrible mistake from Pontus Janssen, who had been excellent. Yeah. It was what happened the with weir- that? It was the weirdest. It's like he forgot how to play football like for was... a split second. Yeah, it was like he was having like, an out-of-body experience. Yeah. <laughs> he just like just forgot where he was. Did he, he momentarily remembered that Mick McCarthy was co-cobbling? <laughs> like, oh, no. Mick, I was not really nervous. Mick, yeah, yeah. Mick McCarthy's response to it was, he's made a right rick of that. Yeah. A right rick. Yeah. I've never heard that expression before. A rick, yeah. They yeah. say that a lot about keepers. Like, play, be, yeah, they'll say he's yeah. got a rick in him. I think it might. Be, I don't really know what it means. Is it short for ricket? Well, I I that googled it. Sense. I googled okay, it, and good. it came up on Urban Dictionary as um, careful. Well, it's a no, family show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was something. To do, it's something to do with the Rick and Morty. Which no like, way. Which, can't be. Well, that's Urban Dictionary's explanation for it. I'm pretty sure I screen grabbed it. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. It. Lubba dub dub. <laughs> Something to do with being a crazy scientist, and I thought, well, this isn't the explanation I was. No, after. that's not it. That yeah, can't be it. Wasn't but listen, it. we'll I think throw it. Thing is more likely. Yeah, we'll throw it out to Busted. the uh, to listeners at Football Ramble on Twitter. Let us know what where, what the source of the word Rick comes from. But Jim, what's your position these days on Mick, Big Mick McCarthy? Big fan. Uh, yeah. uh, people like him. Let's have more of him. Yeah. <laughs> <Effectively>. <laughs> yeah. I remember the biggest dereliction of duty ever, which I always talk about when he refused to pronounce. I think he was commentating on like a, a European Championship game or a World <laughs> Cup game or something, and the first 
first minute, he had just decided with the pack he'd been given of all the information on that he just couldn't pronounce any of the players' names. So he's like, I'm just going to call him left back. Yeah. Not, like, I don't fancy Mick, that one. Yeah, I'm not really sure you can get... I mean, I like Mick, but I'm not really sure you can get away with no. that. No. I, I, I do... I appreciate his honesty, though. I remember in the 2010 World Cup, which, let's be honest, was largely terrible. Yeah. Very low scoring. The Vuvuzelas were like, you know, making it all very, all a bit of a grind. And that had become the narrative at the point that this was a bit of a rubbish World Cup. And there was, it was coming to the end of some sort of boring group stage, nil-nil. And um, he said, on like the 85th minute, I know we're here to make the game interesting, but this has been awful. <laughs> On the BBC as well. That, that was a real big thing. That was a really big thing because around that time, I think was the possibly just before that was the nadir of professional pundits, co-commentators, just complaining all the time. Yes, and they, and they were completely out of touch with fans who would love you know, if, if you look at. I understand what you're saying, Jim, about the 2010 World Cup and how you know parts of it were, were quite dull, but it was an exciting thing in and of itself because it was the first World Cup in Africa yeah. because the scenery was so dramatic. And you'd see a, I mean, I won't name names because I can't name, I can't remember anyone specifically, but someone perhaps on the BBC sofa sat there with, you know, like Cape Town with Table Mountain in the background, whatever it would be, going, oh, I'm not really looking forward to this one. And he's like, you idiots, man. Everyone would be so happy to be there. You've got to be more cheerful. So Mick at his worst can be a bit like that. But last night he was on good form, was he? Yeah, he was on good form last night. Um, And you you talked a minute ago, Luke, as well, about it being the last match at Griffin Park. And and everyone kind of talked up this sort of romantic idea of how wonderful it would be if Brentford were to turn the game around and manage to win it and get to the playoff finals. They've done that. And Thomas Frank's interview on Sky at the end was well first of all different to normal because of the the situation we're in now he joined um the Sky team over at the side of the pitch yeah. and it was the longest post match interview with a manager that I have ever seen game finished it, early time to fill it was uh, nothing yeah, coming yeah, up partly that you need to listen in your ear you need to fill for 6 or 7 <laughs> minutes here it was partly <laughs> that Luke but it was partly because Thomas Frank is such a fantastic person to listen to yeah. he's a really intriguing character because I think he's quite different to a lot of football managers that that we see being interviewed where they quite often have these regurgitated answers that they that they give they've almost kind of rehearsed them before the match is even over they know what they're going to say win draw or lose whereas Thomas Frank's interview I thought he was very frank um very honest Mm -hmm. and really quite um, emotional but in a different way not like a soppy emotional but just a really genuine he gave really genuine answers to the questions he was being asked and and I think that that's that's probably why he's connected so well with the fans as well at Brentford because he's he comes across so honest in his interviews and I quite, I yeah. quite like him I'd, I'd love to see Brentford go up to the Premier League because I think we need more people like him and also you know Brentford are a club where they might realistically never have expected to ever be in the Premier League it is a small club you know especially Griffin Park is, is a tiny stadium and they are like a, very much a, it's weird to say of anyone in or around London but they are a very sort of tiny almost provincial community club and yeah. so they're, they're, to even be in this conversation is amazing and he's obviously a huge part of that and I can't can't help but feel that he's also like solving Scandinavian crime <laughs> yeah. like in his spare time. But, but he's got something. the look of a man on the edge, like well, a detective that... that just needs to solve this case. He's got too close to it. That... <laughs> that's got, that's got, uh, yeah, that's attributed to a lot of people because, because of the Scandinavian kind of noir mm. genre now, isn't it? But Brentford haven't been in the, pre- in the Premier League in the top flights since 1947. So 
that in itself is a big story. On Thomas Frank, I think the reason he's interesting is partly because you do get the intensity that Jim's alluded to there. and You do get a perceived intelligence around Scandinavian yeah. football coaches. But also his his path to where he is now isn't a traditional path. I, I, I'm i happy to, to stick, at, stick, my, stick my neck out and say that I hadn't really heard of him before he came to Brentford as an assistant and then was promoted to the main job. His, his, the largest part of his coaching career has been at youth level. You know, he's and he's what is he for, late forties now? So he's not come up through a traditional way. He's never won anything as a coach, um, but you can see when you watch Brentford play, who at their best are brilliant to watch. He's got a really kind of defined system about what he wants to, about how he wants to play and what he wants to do. And I think that'll be, we're seeing more and more of that now. We're seeing more clubs coming up into the Premier League with a kind of defined style that's a little bit out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Sheffield United have done it. Leeds United have now done it. Norwich, um, Norwich have done it with bad. <laughs> with bad <Terrible>. results yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Brentford may well do it now and even if Fulham do it it'll still be quite interesting to see how they approach it given the context of them coming up last time it was a bit of a disaster I felt they didn't really know what they were doing but 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 finally just on Griffin Park I used to work in Brentford I used to, I used to work quite literally a stone's throw from Griffin Park amazing ground like, and, and I don't mean this in a patronising way but it is a little ground it's 12,000 capacity it's, it's an incredible old-fashioned type uh, stadium. They've been in it since 1904. You have to say this contractually because we're not going to get a chance to say it again when they move. It's got a pub on every corner. Mm-hmm. That's what it's famous for. You drive out on the M4 out west. You see it from on the left from, from, the, from the motorway. I've got a big affinity with it. I, I just... I, just, I love that type of football ground, possibly because I grew up watching Portsmouth do play on a similar type of ground. And it is a shame that... that they're going to be playing in a completely new environment next season for traditional fans. You know, they, mm. they get, this is a shame for them because they're going to have a strong affinity with Griffin Park. So, you know, part of me um, is a little bit sad that, that that part of football, that history is going to, going to have gone again. And I don't like the idea of every single football stadium being this soulless bowl. Yeah. Yeah. The worst examples would be like the Medeski or St. Mary's or, you know, one or two others. Um, and so that that would be a shame. I haven't been into the new Brentford Stadium yet. I haven't seen it. I know it's a bit further up towards Kew. I know that part of the world quite well. So I'll be interested to go there. Um, but if they can start the, prim- the the new new season in their new stadium in the Premier League, that's an amazing story, right? What a story if they can finish the job and, and get to the Premier League and their first match at the new, whatever it's going to be called, Griffin Park, um, is in the Premier League. It'd be amazing. It'd be like they've levelled up as a Pokemon. Tell us um, more about Pokemon. I, I don't really know much about I don't about know anything Pokemon. about it either. Yeah, no. I know that, some, that they get better somehow yeah. I, th- I think the analogy works <laughs> yeah, okay. I knew enough to make the analogy <laughs> yeah. they're keeping the pubs though, and right? I, yeah. I don't know enough new stadium. To, to disagree with you yeah. Yeah. Pokemon. No, crucially you've chosen a room when no one can correct you so <laughs> yeah. if you're going to get corrected it's going to be later on when the show's actually released yeah. I think the new Brentford Stadium is just going to be called the Brentford Community Stadium oh is it yeah, I, think, I, don't think it I don't think it's got a sponsor at the but, moment but they are going to keep the pubs on every corner right I don't know so you should rebuild what, that you should pubs. take that either move the pubs or there's loads of pubs in Brentford Loads of pubs in Brentford. Yeah, that's, as you say, it's what it they're famous right for. Way, Pub on every corner, why and, not? And people just do nothing. That's the comedy <laughs> yeah. series we just set in Brentford. Bang, lyrical blow to the school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a shame, though, that the, the fans couldn't be in the stadium uh, for last yeah, night's match. Yeah, Real shame. But, you know, um, we're going to talk a bit more about fans returning to the stadiums in the, in the second part of the show. Before that, though, just a little word on, on tonight's game. It's the second leg, Fulham against Cardiff. Fulham take a 2-0 lead into this one. We saw a, a comeback from Brentford last night. Do you think Cardiff could make the comeback tonight, Jim? Or do you think this is too much of a task? 
Well, it's always difficult to say with these games, isn't it? Because uh, as we sort of alluded to earlier, it, it they played at such a full throttle. Like Brentford scored twice early on, and you you know you, you're tempted to look at anyone like going in behind thinking that it's an uphill task, but you just don't know, do you? So it's, I think Fulham are a better team than Cardiff. And obviously with a 2-0 lead, that's going to make it, that's going to put them as heavy favourites. But you just, if Cardiff score early on, then I would completely revise my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't think Cardiff have got, personally, I mean, it could be egg on my face and I'll get the old, the usual Twitter pile on if it does happen. I mean, if it does happen, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be interested because it's an interesting thing to happen. Um, they, they're not, they're not going to, it's very, very difficult to see them go into Craven Cottage and turn it around. Having said what I've said about Fulham, who are absolutely capable of turning in you know, the occasional poor performance. A number of ricks. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that the plural for a rick? Just ricks? Yeah. I feel like it should be Sanchez, more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fulham are capable of, of turning yeah, a bad performance in. Um, I remember, I mean, more recently, okay, fair enough, they were battered by Leeds, but Leeds were a good team. As I already said, they were beaten at home by Brentford, who were brilliant on their day. But they've also lost 3-0 at home to Barnsley for them. I mean, they're capable of, of turning in some poor stuff. But having said what I've said... For them to go to Cardiff and win 2-0, that's massive. And that Josh Ronald goal was a beauty as oh, well. Such a brilliant goal. So if we see more of that, I'll be I'll be I'll be very happy about it. Um I don't know um I don't yeah, I don't know if, if Cardiff have got the uh, got the ability to turn it around. Well Fulham had the perfect game plan in the first leg and they completely shut Cardiff out. Cardiff, one of Cardiff's strengths are their set pieces and I don't think Cardiff had a single corner in the first mm. leg. So Scotty Parker knows what he's doing against this Cardiff side. And f- for me, I think it will be very difficult for Cardiff to turn things around. But you never know. As you say, Jim, yeah. these playoff games are always, particularly the second legs, are always pretty exciting. I think if anyone's going to keep a cool head, though, it's going to be Scott Parker, isn't it? He's so he's chilled, very isn't measured. he? 1930s fighter pilot. Very much so. Very, yeah, very much fighter so. Fighter pilot. I also, also love the idea that Joshua Namama's goal will have an effect on this game. Yeah. Like the quality of it. Like him, just him, just like jogging around, going to see my goal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've seen what I've got in my locker. I what? could pull that out again. You shoot, you, you'll be shitting yourself, won't you? Uh, which I'll say, why haven't you done it before? Um, <laughs> if if Cardiff face, so if it's Parker v Frank in um, the final, yeah, that's a very respectful lineup. Can they both go up? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Villa, but can they both go up? I think it like, might become sickeningly respectful. And yeah. I don't like that. I don't want that. I'll get Warnock back in there. Yeah. <laughs> let's have a bit. Let's have a bit more. Well, that's why you got Mick McCarthy on the ones. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Exactly. I don't know if he's on it tonight. No, but I hope should he is. be. Anyway, yeah, he's no way he's doing not two, doing two games days in a row. In a row is no he? way. Absolutely yeah. no chance. No. Well, that is tonight's game. Uh, make sure you watch that one. Fulham versus Cardiff. Can Cardiff turn things around? Uh, also, just before we we wrap things up from the Championship semi-final playoffs, um, commiserations to Swan. I forgot to say because yeah. you, you've really got a feel for them. It, as you say, it's such an emotional game that match, and yeah. you could just see how gutted they were. And and what was what made the game even more exciting last night is that they did manage to get that goal back, and it put the game the last ten minutes of that match oh, on a real knife yeah. edge. Because you know, if they score another, that's it. You're going and, to extra time. And because of the dramatic circumstances that they got into the playoffs in the first place, that yeah. turnaround with yeah. Nottingham Forest, they never. I've got a few friends who are Swansea fans. I don't think and that. They're, They'll, they'll call me out if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. They didn't expect to be in the playoffs. They didn't expect no. to get no. there. Uh, and um, and but when you get in there into the playoffs itself in the, in those kind of dramatic circumstances, and then that goal happens, you think, hang on a minute, is this just some kind of preordained thing? Is, is, is their yeah. name just on it, and that's going to happen? Uh, and and that, that last ten minutes was great for that reason. But of course, they fell just short. Um, but I don't think I think really them being present in the playoffs was 
a little bit of a bonus for them. Yeah, yeah. let's see how they kick on next season, eh? Um, well done to Steve Cooper and what he's done there this season. Um, Fulham, Cardiff tonight. Uh, that is, of course, the second leg of the semi-final playoffs. So uh, we're going to take a I was just going to say, sorry, before yeah. you do that, I was just going to say, we got an email, we got a text in from, not a text, I'm talking about not on the radio, <laughs> a, a tweet, a we got a tweet um, from someone saying, because it looks like it'll be Cardiff and Swansea who miss out, should there be for one year only, like a third place playoff? <laughs> because they're such yeah. big rivals. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Just so that we can watch it. Yeah, yeah exactly. In a car park. Yeah. <laughs> Tops off, just a bit of wasteland. Yeah, see what goes on. Uh, so you can claim to genuinely be, uh, I suppose it would be the fifth and sixth place playoff, wouldn't it? Not the third and fourth. But Normally yeah. they're the games that you never want to watch in a World Cup. No. That, that mm. play- the players don't okay. want to play in them. No. Yeah. Whereas we want to see that. Yeah. Um, all right. After this, we're going to be talking about fans returning to football stadiums. Yeah, it is on the agenda and we'll wrap up some of the latest transfers. This is the Football Ramble with me, Jules Breach, Jim Campbell and Luke Aaron Moore. Full name. Yeah, thanks. Mm. You're yeah. welcome. Sometimes I get confused with the old football playing Luke Moore. So that's why you have to stick the old middle name in there. But it's less you yourself get confused. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. Who am I? Yeah. No, it doesn't happen so much now because obviously he's not playing football anymore, yeah. but it has happened in the past. Have I been booked on a TV show because people thought I was him? <laughs> yes, I have. Seriously? So, yeah, apparently so. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's S- true. Similar happened to me. The reason I, I go by Jim is because there is another stand-up called James Campbell and he did comedy for children. Wait, wait, wait. Are you actually James? Yes. Yes, I, I wasn't a baby that. called Jim. He was James or Jim for a year. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, no one would call their kid Jim. Baby no, exactly. Jim. Yeah. So I've just, I've, I've, I've got an old man's name early. I'm just sort of. Would you like to? Would it. you like to hear from people who have been christened Jim? I don't reckon yes, anyone listening would have been christened Jim at yeah. birth. Maybe a Jimmy, but even then, I think that's probably a stretch. Baby Jimmy. Fine. Yeah, that's more. Oh, baby Jim. Oh, that sounds odd. a bit weird. For some reason, Jimmy, a baby Jimmy, feels quite scouse to me. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. And you're Julianne, by the way. I am a Julianne. Is that a secret or not? Oh, no, it's not, not now, a secret. I don't even know. Clearly not. You're out with me. Yeah. Uh, only my mum calls me Julianne. If you're in what? trouble. Why is that, though, that only your mums and your dads call you by your full name? Do your yeah. parents call you James? Yes, they do. See? If they called me Jimmy, it would feel weird. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's like my brother's called Stephen. All yeah. his mates call him Steve. Yeah. But my parents and me call him Stephen. Hmm. Sounds very stern in in your household. Julianne. Everyone by their full names, always in trouble. My mum loves a good shout at me as well. Julianne! It's a good name to shout. Yeah, yeah. So I like the way that rises at the end. Yeah, 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 always, always. Um, Look, there's going to be fans back in stadiums, hopefully by October, and this is something that we fully welcome. The word is that England's friendly against Wales on October the 8th has been pencilled as the first opportunity for England to play in front of fans this year. There are a couple of friendlies before that against Denmark and Iceland. Those will be behind closed doors. I imagine they'll probably be played in the September international break. I'm not sure exactly what the schedule is going to be. However, the government are confirmed to have to partially open stadiums to fans by October the 1st. And I think that does extend to the Premier League as well. So this is quite exciting. The thought that fans can go back into the stadiums. I don't know how it's going to work and how exactly they're going to do it. My, my, I've heard that with regards to the Premier League, it will be home fans only to begin with. Um, so it'll be very different. Okay. It'll be a very different atmosphere to what we're used to. But just to be able to have this kind of dangled at the moment that it's a possibility, it feels like we're getting somewhere. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Can I make the argument though that even if fans are fully allowed back into stadiums when we play Iceland, 
we sh- we shouldn't have them in because it's it's, it's, it's a scene of one of the greatest shames in the history of our game, and we don't deserve. That's probably why they've pencilled it for October the first because that's after yeah. the Iceland game, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> They're only doing it for the Wales game. Yeah, it's uh, it feels a bit Brexit, does it? What's that? England versus Wales, fans back. Yeah, <laughs> chest beating jingoism. Maybe that's me projecting that onto it. Yeah, I think it Feels probably like is a big that, opportunity yeah. for you it. You do beat your chest a lot. You are a dictionary <laughs> definition chest beating uh, person. Now, do you know what is interesting for me is that people have been, I think, almost unanimously in this country, can't speak on behalf of any other country, but in this country, people have been almost unanimously on board with the idea that football should continue if it can be continued, if it continues safely. And I think, although there was some doubt before it happened about whether it was important enough and whether it can be done safely, I think we've now seen it can be done safely. But the almost implied contract between the football authorities and the fans has been like, this is a necessary evil. This is like this. This is this is like a temporary thing. I think if you were to say football is going to continue indefinitely without fans, that would be hugely problematic for loads and loads of obvious reasons. So at some point, there does have to be an understanding that fans are going to be able to come back for atmosphere purposes, for the idea of how interesting the product is around the world, for obviously financial purposes as well. So the fact that they're starting to tentatively suggest this, I think, is a really positive thing. I wonder though, given that. It's going to be moving through autumn into winter then. And those who know a lot more about this pandemic than I do are suspecting there may be a second wave of infections, whether it's actually going to happen and whether it's actually Mm. going to work. It obviously has to be done in a really controlled way. But I think broadly we should see it as a really positive thing because, you know, got to be careful here because obviously I I do this job and I love it and I do love football, but it's not been the same. So, so I was enthusiastic about football coming back just because I wanted it to come back because, you know, obviously, to be perfectly honest, it's our livelihood, but it also it's something we love to watch. Yeah. And no football at all was rubbish, right? But this is a, almost like a facsimile of football that we all fell in love with, and we should at least acknowledge that. So we cannot continue indefinitely, I don't think. I'm just speaking as, as on behalf of a football fan. I don't want to continue indefinitely with no fans. So it has to happen no. at some point, or it's going to be completely different. So the fact that this is rearing its head now, I think, is a good thing, but it's got to be done very, very carefully. It's going to be an interesting um, sort of second stage of the kind of general road back to having full stadiums, because it, obviously it's going to be it's going to be a limited number of fans. And that in itself is going to be a bit of a culture shock again, isn't it? We've now got used to the idea of no fans and, and the fake crowd noise on TV. And it works. We've all, it's, it's very quickly become something you're used to. But like like a half-empty old Trafford, it's going to be quite a weird thing. In a way, it could be worse yeah. than, than yeah. none. Do yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Because it will really highlight how empty it is. Yeah. When you yeah. get, you know, those kind of um, the not-so-great League Cup games or the not so great early stages of the FA Cup and the stadiums aren't full because yeah. the fans just don't tend to turn up for some of those games sometimes. It never looks that great, does it? When no. you see the kind of empty stands and, yeah, and if they don't care, why should yeah. I? Yeah. Mm. And I've, I'm worried that that might be what this looks like, although it will look very different because the idea of fans coming back to the stadiums, as far as what I've read and what I've been told, is that we are still going to have to operate in a socially distanced way Mm. inside the stadiums. Therefore means that you're not going to necessarily be sat next to anyone. So having this kind of spaced out seating arrangement, it's it's going to look so so strange, isn't it? And it will sound strange. Yeah. The the, the positive though, Luke, if we're going to focus on the positives, is that at least it means 
the fans who have been missing out on football all this time. I've been fortunate to go to a match as a reporter and just being able to sit there and watch live football was unbelievable. It was such a nice feeling, even though it's not the same. Mm. And I just... I'm glad that at least some fans will get that experience to be able to go and watch their oh, team live I again. Am as well. yeah. there, there, are, there are people out there who, and you know, good on them, and, and it's amazing how passionate people are about their club, you know, and about the sport generally, who their life revolves around going to watch their team home yeah. and away. And they're the people who should be given the priority because it's really a hugely important part of their lives. And that's, that's something that should be acknowledged. We need, we want to, obviously, we all want to get back to a point where we can all watch football matches in the stadium. It's a great thing to do, but I think we're a long way off that. And this is like, a, I would see this as a first step on the road of, 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 you know, hopefully the destination being it goes back to normal. But we don't, I don't know, no one really knows if life's going to be back to normal generally. You're right there. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just filling with my wire. Sorry. Um, there we go. Much better now. And so, and so, <laughs> I, I, so a bit of a sort of. You know, philosophical crisis fiddling with your wife. Yeah. Is life ever going to be the same? Yeah. I don't know if oh, it will God. be, though, no, Jim. No, That's the thing. thing. That's, That's the, the thing. thing we're all sort of forgetting all the time. Yeah. We went to the pub last night. It's completely different. It's the first time I've been to the pub <laughs> for six months. It's completely different. So lots of things are going to be different. There's been some it's a precedent set in sport with cricket, which I believe, I don't know much about cricket, but I believe that's gone quite well. Um, so if we if we see this as the first step on the road to where we want to be, it's going to be ages before it's back to normal, if it ever will be. So... Yeah, it's a, it's a positive thing, but who, who knows? Interestingly, for the FA Cup final this weekend, I believe there's a couple of ticketed events in London around Wembley um, that they're going to be allowing a certain amount of Arsenal fans into one area and a certain amount of Chelsea fans into another right. area. And so I don't really know exactly how that's going to be policed, hmm. but I think this is the first this has happened since the footballers returned. So it'll be really interesting to see how that's managed and, and how that all turns out. And I'll, I'll be at Wembley Way for uh, the game on Saturday, so I shall report back Yeah, do that. Week. I will, yeah, I fun. will. Can, uh, can you think of anything less appealing than going to Wembley and not watching the game? And not going into the Why stadium. Why the hell would you do mm. that Torturing to yourself, yourself, basically. Yeah. Torture yourself. Just go to your local if you want to, yeah. you're going to book in for a little session, a couple of beers. I suppose they're not showing football in pubs at the moment, are they? I don't think are they? they are, no. So maybe, yeah, maybe that you, yeah, that's the only place you can go. You can always watch it at home, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's something I would do. It's all sorts of Pain in the ass to get to, exactly. Exactly. but that genuinely does depend on where you live. That's true. <laughs> yeah. For some people, probably quite it's just down the road. Literally yeah. a walk. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about some transfers that have been done since the window opened on Monday. A couple of things uh, are over the line. James Madison has signed a new four-year contract at Leicester. This not is not a transfer, really... is it? That's not a transfer. <laughs> But it's a, it's a deal. <laughs> would you like to say, would you like Leicester to be able to go, we've just, we've got, we've transfer in, he's transferred from Leicester to, to Leicester. Leicester. Yeah. We've rearranged the living room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a new locker. Well, I think, it, I think this is as good as a, a transfer for Leicester fans, possibly, because, you know, when, when you've got a star player like him, who's young, he's only 23 years mm. old, and he's been linked with other clubs, the fact that they've managed to keep hold of him and they can now continue to build this team around him coming in, to the new season, yeah. I think is a really positive thing, and I think, um, yeah, I think good, good, good business. Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. They're clearly it's a statement of intent, and the timing of it's really good as well because it shows Leicester uh, shows that they're you know very um, they're being very proactive in their plan because they are really they are at the ceiling of what you could realistically expect them to 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 achieve. Even though they missed out on the Champions League, and obviously the dust will settle on that, and it will be disappointing. But it's still it's still a really good season for them, um, and keeping hold of Madison is clearly. It, more important than you know than Vardy at this point because Vardy's thirty three. He's only going to last for you know for so long, and they're clearly going to build a He'll team last around last forever Madison. on the Red Bull, Jim. Yeah, yeah. you've yeah. never quit. Right, actually, yeah, old uh, old Jimmy Vardy. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's big news for him he's, to get that he's done early. Jimmy. He, he should be a Jimmy, yeah. shouldn't he? So does Madison, actually. Jimmy Madison. Jimmy Madison. He sounds like a bit of a, you know, yeah. b- bit of a wrong one, doesn't he? Jimmy <laughs> Madison. Jimmy Madison. you got to watch yourself around him. Yeah. <laughs> but he also looks like a sort of old man, even though he's 23. Who, Madison? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find that I've, it's obviously a massive bonus for them. I think he's going to become their second highest paid player behind Vardy, um, who's obviously negotiated that it's huge funny, contract. funny, I filled that in with my head and just in my own head, just filled that in behind Meza Ozil. I just feel like he's just <laughs> Every time, the highest yeah. paid. It should, yeah, it should, it should be listed wide on the, on the highest paid players in the world because yeah. Meza Ozil would be right. <laughs> I mean, in terms of value, Ozil's, it's funny because he gets paid the most mm. of anyone probably, got a couple of, couple of other exceptions, but for value, he's at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't play. <laughs> Like yeah. just for, for we don't know why yeah. there's a thing yeah. that means he doesn't play is it so hard it, it, there's no value there is there is, there is literally no it's value it's like times are getting numbered by zero yeah. <laughs> you always get zero is it difficult for him to provide value if he's not allowed on the pitch very much so yeah fair yeah. enough anyway there'll be plenty of time to talk about Ozil between now and whenever he retires maybe not actually because it might be soon um, but Madison is a Amazing coup for Leicester because obviously he's been linked with like other big mm. clubs. He's, as I say, he's going to become the second highest paid player at Leicester. His chance creation stats, which people love these days, are very high. He's behind De Bruyne, Grealish, Alexander Arnold, and Buendia of Norwich. 79 chances created apparently this season. Um, you know, I think it's a great it's a great statement of intent for Leicester. I do I do think you talk about their ceiling, Jim, you talk about how, oh well, they can't really go any higher. They had an opportunity. Mm. Now I know the pandemic came along and I know that's difficult to manage and you can be forgiven for perhaps losing your intensity and stuff. But they need to show an improvement next season because they had, they were in such a good position. Yeah. They were the third best team in the Premier League for a large part of the season and they've not managed to finish yeah. in the top four. Against good competition, I know that. Improved teams. But Chelsea were vulnerable. They were so vulnerable vulnerable defensively and I think Leicester mm. could have taken advantage of that and if you look at some of the games Leicester fell short in uh, particularly after the pandemic it's got to be a it's got to be a regret surely when I mean, they lost three of their last yeah. four um, okay May United's fair enough Spurs they were beaten heavily but I lost 4-1 to Leicester they were awful in that game so if they can find some kind of consistency um, I think that's a really that'll be a really really important bonus mm. for them and Madison is a big part of that and the, the contract protects them in the future as well because realistically there are going to be people coming in for him like, I don't that's what happened with Maguire wasn't it exactly. he signed a new deal and he goes for a club record the following year or whatever it was yeah. you but, can tell how much he was missed though when he was injured for this last part of the season yeah. Madison oh, so there's absolutely no yeah. doubt that this is to, to be able to time down for, for four years is it's brilliant for Leicester and mm. brilliant for their fans as well. Have you seen um, what he was wearing at in Ibiza lately with Deli Alley? Let's have a look. Wow. State yeah. of that shirt. Yeah, I, I'm now of the age where I don't even, my brain can't even compute what young people wear. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Jules? You sound so old, Luke. You're a bit younger than that. You're a bit younger than that. I'm not a fan of that t shirt. It's, uh, it's it looks out there like, for me. Oh, what's that terrible brand that Kanye West's mate runs? Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's. Uh, the t-shirts are ridiculous and they'll, they'll cost about $400 and they immediately sell out. Balenciaga? Uh, no, no, no I, forget, I forget what it's called. Oh, no, it's yeah. about fashion. Anyway, not a fan, not a fan. No. Um, you talked about uh, Harry Maguire leaving Leicester last summer. Uh, a deal that may not happen, but something that is rumoured to be happening is Ben Chilwell making a move away from Leicester. He was linked with a move away last year and the rumours are kind of circulating once again and it does seem to feel like... Every year, Leicester seemed to sell a key player. Of course, last year was Harry Maguire, Mares before that, Kante before that, Danny Drinkwater. There are these kind of key players from the Leicester squad that seem to have left. Can we see Ben Chilwell leaving the the, the club that he 
is linked to is Chelsea. And you can see that he would improve the Chelsea team. They need yeah. a left back, don't they? They, they need, do. Yeah, they need someone who's familiar with the concept of defending, don't they? And Chilworth <laughs> very much fits that bill. But I think this is the payoff, isn't it? This is how, if you're a team like Leicester, you have to do everything right to be at that top table. And I think realistically that involves probably selling a player like that a year to keep the money coming in. And... I feel like Ben Chilwell, it looks too normal to go to a club like that. I know you mean. You know when yeah. Leighton Baines just didn't go anywhere? He looks like your mate's mate. Yeah, because he, he looks Yeah, he looks like your mate's brother who's in the army. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like he, Leighton Baines didn't go to a, a bigger club than Everton with respect to Everton. He was obviously an Everton, he's an Everton legend and he was brilliant for them and we know that. But he didn't go to a bigger club and part of me thinks it's because he's got slightly longer hair and likes carrying an acoustic guitar mm. range. He just wouldn't fit in. He's like, that's not for me. He also not sounds for me. like a commuter town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. You, you Baines, want yeah. him in the big city. Yeah. He's, he's more of a sort of suburb. And I wonder if Ben Shearwell was a similar kind of cut of that cloth, maybe. What yeah. do you think, Jim? He's got a screamer in him as well as Baines has. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, are, I actually, think. Yeah. They look quite similar. Right. Yeah, same height as well. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's not scientific, Jules. <laughs> but, uh, and let's not forget as well that Ben Shearwell's capable of turning in genuinely quite poor performances. And he, he gets it. So this is perhaps an unpopular opinion. Um... For example, I think Harry Maguire is really overrated. He's got a lot of obvious flaws in his game, in my opinion. I kind of wonder if Ben Chilwell's a bit like that. And really? whether he's a little bit overrated. Yeah. Mm, Do you think so, Jim? I agree. Sure. Yeah, I, don't know. I think he's a he's a he's a six out of ten occasionally. Yeah. And that's not what you want in a in a well, you want Champions 10 out of 10, don't you? Time. Yeah, don't you, every time, don't you, ideally. Mick? You want yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, I, I think he's, after Andy Robertson, probably the next best left back in the league. All right. There we go. And you're the professional among us, Jules. Yeah. So you, 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 no, we should probably defer to you. I think he's definitely up there. And I think that if Chelsea if Chelsea managed to get him or if Leicester managed to hold on to him, either of them are, are big winners in that sense. I, I think that one thing that we have to commend Leicester for is that even when they have sold the these key signings I've just mentioned, like Kante, like Mares, like uh, ha- Harry Maguire last year... They seem to have known what they're doing with it. Yeah. Like with Harry Maguire, everyone thought, well, that's Leicester done for then. They're like, what are they going to be without their, their best centre-back? And then up steps Soyuncu, who mm. has had a remarkable season, but he'd been waiting in the wings for a good year and a half before Maguire left. And Leicester obviously knew that he was capable of still holding this defence together. And and he's been fantastic, obviously, barred the sending off yeah. just towards the end of the season. That, no, that was even amazing. because That was like <laughs> some kind of super villain stuff yes. like it, it was like he was in some kind of medieval fantasy bad guy he mode. looks a bit like a he's vampire amazing, as well doesn't he? he just punch someone in the net <laughs> yeah or kick someone in the net yeah. he did something in the net which made it more After dramatic they conceded and it, the goal had already happened yeah so I love that I love that burning passion to properly do someone in <laughs> and it fits because of what he looks like, right? But I just, the, sorry, referee. I just enjoy violence. The, the measure, yeah. The measure for me is when I've got the football on, and my wife likes football. But she's not that into it. And if she passes comment on any of the players, you know they've got something interesting about them. And she's yeah. passed comment a couple of times or so, and she, probably because of his hair, yeah, yeah, and that he stands out a bit, and he's big and tough, and um, everything. What I'm she not, said basically. about him? Yeah, she's just like, oh, she said. I think she said he looks a bit like a samurai or something like that. Mm. <laughs> Because because they and, 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 and vampire it, samurai and it absolutely fits with um with um with what what he kind of looks like the profile so I'm I'm all in favour of doing that he also played a lot of games last season very reliable but Leicester are a team I feel like if they lose one or two key players from a game uh, from a fixture they're 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 liable to lose games 
quite not regularly, but they don't necessarily tend to win games you don't expect them to win. If you look at the um, first half of the season, their fixtures were very kind. They were front, like very, very back heavy in terms of the fixture list. And if you take out a Ricardo Pereira, or you take out a um, a James Madison. Or a, or a Vardy, I think they they struggle. Mm. And like you you look at someone like James Justin, the right back they got from Luton, who was brilliant, really good. Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. He's not quite there yet, and and that's a drop off from someone like Ricardo Pereira, who's been standout good. So I just think they've got a few things. They've got quite a, a thin squad for where they are. Similarly, Luke Thomas, who who filled in for Ben Chilwell since he got his, I think it was a heel injury towards the end of the season, very young, but did quite well. He got an assist against Sheffield United for, I think it was Perez that scored that goal and, and, a, and a great goal it was. And I think he's done quite well. But as you say, Luke, he's not going to be a direct replacement for the likes of a Ben Chilwell, regardless of whether Jim thinks he's just a six out of 10. But, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, but Luke Thomas is... That that defence for the last few games of the season did look young and inexperienced. Yes. And so I think they will try and hold on to Ben Chilwell. Of course they will. Um, let's see what happens. That's something that uh, we'll keep an eye on. A deal that has been done, that was done yesterday. Joel Veltman, um, Ajax defender signing for Brighton. Oh, why are you always talking about Brighton? <laughs> it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. Mm. Isn't it, Jim? Oh, seagulls, brunch. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, London Lucas. on sea. Yeah. We're the club making the deals, boys. <laughs> That's true. That is true. If, there's, if there was anything more to talk about, we could talk about it. But it seems to be that Brighton are the club that have um, done their business nice and early once again. So the window opened on Monday. Two deals have been done. This one went over the line yesterday. Um, I mean, he's so he's a defender, central defender, can play it right back as well. 200 appearances. Um, he's made over 200 appearances, I think, for Ajax. 22 international caps. And he signed a three-year contract. And I think Brighton got him for about 900 grand. It's a bargain, it's if amazing. you ask me. Yeah, you, you rarely hear the word grand. Yeah, um, no player moves for under a million yeah. these days, unless they fucking play for Portsmouth. Unless they're crap. Yeah, we don't buy anyone to be expensive. Established Premier League players. Uh, yeah, we don't, yeah, we don't sell anyone for any good money. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a really interesting signing. You know, I mean, I mm. saw him play uh, for Ajax in the semi-final of the Champions League against Spurs. I was at that game. Um, and he's obviously a very Such experienced player. Such a good player. game that was. As it well, was brilliant. By the way, yeah, yeah. No, yeah the, this is the first leg though, oh, which, the first which leg. wasn't as good. But yeah. it, but, um, but but anyway, he obviously has played at a very very high level, played internationally as well. He's technically very good as you'd expect from what I've seen. But the kicker, I think, for Brighton fans who don't know that much about him, is that he's had two very serious cruciate knee ligament injuries. One at the very start of his career, and one not that long ago. The one he had a year uh, more recently put him out of the game for a year. So we've bought two injury prone mm. players since the transfer window opened. Brilliant. Yeah. Congrats. But when, familiar, actually. when you see, I mean, there might be. <laughs> the, the, yeah, do you remember when Arsene Wenger signed Kim Kalstrom with a broken, broken back? back. Yeah. That's the worst of all the injuries, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, if I said you to really you. really need that. How do you get a broken back? I know. If I said to you. Severe. Jim, there's three physical injuries that you never want to have. Mm. You, broken back would be in the three. It'd be right up there. With neck, back, neck, yeah. and back. head. You see, we signed a player. We signed a dead player today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just thought that was that was that was absolute like peak Wenger yeah. banter, wasn't it? He he, he didn't really do much, Calvin, but he did score a penalty, penalty in the semi final, Wigan, I think. And I watched it in a pub full of dogs. I was at the game, and it was did you? great. What? Yeah, because in Brighton, funny enough, and um, obviously every time it, it was an Arsenal pub somehow, and uh, every time a penalty went in, obviously everyone celebrated. So the dogs were like they were just happy. 
So Aww. it looked like the dogs supported Arsenal because <laughs> every time everyone cheered, the dogs went mad as well. So. The pub we were in yesterday was an Arsenal pub as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah, very much so. I saw, I, but I'm led to believe. Yeah, I saw, uh, yeah, I saw um, that. I was at that game, mm. the semi-final. And um, I'm, I'm, I, the thing that really endeared me to Kim Couch, I don't know why. Was he holding his back? Yeah. <laughs> so he walked up with one of those walking sticks from the film, the Disney film Up, with the four yeah, tennis like balls frame. on the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he, penalty oh, frame. He scored his penalty, and he later on said it was the best 15 minutes of his life. Aww. So, got to be a yeah. bit of a little bit endearing about that. So anyway, Veltman, yeah. I think, is an exciting player, but I do think he comes with a bit of danger. Brassel yeah. would know loads more about it than me. Mm. There's probably some other reason that he's cost hardly any money as well mm. possibly contractual I don't know it's a calculated risk isn't it clearly yeah, but, but I think it's, 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 it's worth taking he's experienced you know and, and he's, he's, he's seen and done it all if he's playing in the latter stages of the Champions League then you know for Brighton with respect that's amazing it's a yeah. great... I think the interesting thing about this this deal or this transfer is that he spent basically his whole career at Ajax 18 years yeah. and the fact that he's moved to Brighton to me obviously says he wants to play he's in the, the Premier Acad- League. He's at the world leading academy of football, mm. and before that, he was at Ajax. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's interesting. I'm kind of, I'm baffled a little bit by it because I'm wondering where he fits into the team, mm. and it worries me that this may spell the end of one of our defenders who I love, and that's always concerning because Lewis Dunk is always linked with a move away. So we'll see what what it does mean. I don't think Brighton. Are will have got him in to replace a Lewis Dunk but no. it, you know it always worries you as a fan of a club like why have you brought yeah. him in we've got big, Web, big Webster as well exactly super giant Webster yeah so yeah I like, I like but he can how... play right back can he is Mike Montour any good yeah he's yeah. right okay right I like because Lewis Dunk is a competent defender that yeah. immediately gives him huge huge value that, oh, yeah. he's simply just a very very competent old fashioned centre half isn't he and yeah. that is what I feel like everyone's lacking that yeah, well, like every decent Premier League team aside from from Liverpool are lacking that. Yeah, I, I would. It's it's, it's a um, it's a, it seems to be a rare beast. It's like goalkeepers, isn't it? Mm. So you maybe it's a fact that you don't really notice them unless they make mistakes. But yes. it kind of, I kind of feel like you, you know what it's like with goalkeepers this season for me. There's obviously plenty of good ones, but it feels like when I watch a League One game on the telly and the referee, you look at the referee, you think, God, this referee is so bad. Every time I watch the football league, the refereeing is so bad. Mm. It kind of feels a bit like that with goalkeepers in the Premier League. Like, and co-commentators, like, I just think like, it's like become, Martin Keown. I also no, but I think it's become almost like fashionable in a way to slate goalkeepers this season. It seems to have been a theme of the season. Are you saying I've made it fashionable? No, Luke, I just followed the you've not made anything okay, fashionable. <laughs> you know, De Gea and Kepper have helped there, haven't they? To be fair, yeah, they, they are. They are in in the. In the burgeoning slating goalkeepers scene, yeah. they are the two most exciting <laughs> like Frank, um, prospects. Frank, Frank Lampard piped up to something amazing like last week where he said, I mean, it wasn't this exactly, but it was quite old fashioned. Because you know, Frank Lampard's got that kind of, like, he's got that kind of big Tim Sherwood energy about him. He's like, <laughs> he's like Tim Sherwood, but good, right? Is that fair? Yeah. Yes, that's good. Tim exactly Sherwood right. couldn't guide a team to the top four of the Premier League. Frank Lampard clearly can, but they've got the same energy and they're all a kind of similar gang. So Jamie Redknapp, Harry Redknapp, Tim Sherwood, Frank Lampard. Mum's new PE teacher boyfriend. Yeah, all that kind of, they're almost a bit like the, the only way is Essex football version, <laughs> right? But Frank Lampard said something amazingly old school, it's either last week or, or maybe earlier this week, where he said, I know it's I know it's important for goalkeepers to have to be good with their feet, but it was something like he just said. But I just want my goalkeeper to make saves. He's like, he's like he's at the end of his tether with it, and he costs seventy five million yeah. or whatever he costs. So you know, it's like he's forgotten he can use his hands, and I don't know what to do. I, yeah, I, I think we might be entering peak. 
goalkeeper banter years. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. Do you reckon he'll play the final? Or do you think Caballero no, starts? No, I really don't. And I'm actually a little bit concerned about that, I have to say, because I don't think he would have dropped Would you Kepa prefer before. Kepa to start? Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> you just shoot from anywhere Jules, and you probably score. He doesn't make any yeah, saves. Exactly. It's like, it's like when you start an under-11 game and they, you hear a rumour that the other team's keeper's not turned. Right, shoot whenever you get the ball. Yeah, oh, completely. Players were doing that with De Gea this season, I'm telling you. They yeah. were shooting on purpose from distance because you never know. And that's not a great position to be in. And also, Kepa is worse than De Gea. But also, the, the thing with that as well, is the defenders know that. So the defenders are more nervous. So they second-guess themselves oh, yeah. and they're not yeah. as, yeah. as focused Surely. as they should be. And I think with Caballero, I mean, their defence will be naturally better, uh, not just because he actually uh, uses his hands to stop the ball going yes. in the net. No, no man is an Which is the main bit. Yeah. Well, look, there'll be a lot more uh, build-up to the FA Cup final between Arsenal and Chelsea on tomorrow's show. Yeah. Uh, Luke, you're going to be back for that one with Marcus and Vish. I'm sure you'll talk a lot about tonight's game between Fulham and Cardiff as well. And it's going to be Vish's debut on Luke's game yeah so mm. Vish was um, talking a very good game in the pub last night that's because he was pissed he, he said he said <laughs> he went off on one about how, how good he'd be at it and then he said although everyone does say that so maybe when I'm actually playing it, it might not be as easy so we'll mm. see we'll he's see. up against Marcus who is just passionate to win yeah. everything all the time oh, yeah. and to be fair to Marcus he's had to play Andy a lot so it's, it's a, a tough, tough assignment yeah. Yeah, so it'd be tough. interesting to see how it pans out stick around for that yeah look forward to it Jim Luke thanks for today I'll see you guys soon This was a Stakhanov production.